Imagine learning in a small group intimate setting while exploring unique European locations. EU Vet CE Experiences offers race-approved CE seminars that combine half-day lectures with time to relax and discover captivating cultures. The CE sessions are delivered in English, allowing you to elevate your career while vacationing with loved ones. Experience the perfect blend of learning and luxury at EU Vet CE Experiences interactive seminars in hand-picked European destinations. Elevate your knowledge and recharge simultaneously. Visit euveterinaryce.com to learn more. Welcome to the Vet Life Reimagined podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Sprinkle, and I have a very special episode for you today, and that is that the tables are turned, that I am going to be the guest in this episode. This is actually an episode from the podcast called the Veterinary Project Podcast, and they were gracious enough to invite me on. So this is a, a unique episode. It's an episode drop, and uh, you hopefully will get to know a little bit more about me, and uh, I hope you really enjoy this podcast. Uh, Jonathan and Michael are great, great hosts. And so definitely go check out their podcast as well. Without further ado, this is my episode on the Veterinary Project Podcast. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, episode 111. Welcome to the show created by vets featuring absolutely no pets. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, created by Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Our resident veterinarians have swapped out their stethoscopes in favor of microphones to bring you the Veterinary Project Podcast, a show focused on real conversations aimed to connect this amazing profession full of remarkable people. Through the sharing of collective stories and wisdom and connecting over the many unique challenges we face, we invite you to join our community of veterinary professionals leading intentional lives. And now, let's get started with another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Veterinary Project Podcast. Wow, that was a good one, Jonathan. I say somewhere later here. This conversation could go in any direction, and it didn't disappoint. We've got Dr. Megan Sprinkle. Her and I just met at the Veterinary Innovation Summit and had been on the list to get onto the podcast for months. We made it happen, and as you said, it delivered. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I'll be thinking about lots of the stuff in there. I guess before we dive in, uh, this episode is going to be dropping just after Canadian Thanksgiving, which means that's what we're heading into this weekend. So what what does the Light family have planned for Thanksgiving? We are taking a break. There's been lots of travel as of late for the Light family, for myself. And so this weekend we are at home. We are having their traditional Thanksgiving dinner uh, with family on Sunday. I actually have to go take my firearms course on Saturday. And so that's going to take me away from home for a few hours. And then after that, it's just getting ready for winter. So uh, doing the blowout of sprinkles and all that boring stuff, which I love doing at this time of the year. So to me, Thanksgiving, family, um, and yeah, just getting ready for winter. I love it. And it's supposed to be, you know, Canadian, 20 degrees, 22 degrees. It's going to be beautiful. That's Celsius for the American listeners, not 22 Fahrenheit. No, we are still above zero. 
yeah. for those that think we live in igloos, which is nobody. So yeah, no, that's great temperature for this time of year. Yes. How about you? What are you up to? Well, we're uh, staying very close to home. Still no baby. And we are, we are literally like, even in the recording, this setup, I had told everyone like, I could cancel on you very last minute due to baby arrival. And I was like, I feel like that's a legitimate free pass uh, reason to cancel last minute. So that is one of those that are allowed now. And especially given baby number two, you know, things would come early. That's the way it works. That's what we keep being told. We thought it would be here by now, uh, but it looks like we're going to maybe make it through the weekend and probably next week. So by the time this episode airs, maybe I have another kid. We'll see. Um, Okay, before I jump into the bio, which I'm doing ASAP in the spirit of Canadian Thanksgiving, Jonathan, give us one thing you're thankful for. Life overall, life overall, there's just there's there's so much to be thankful for. We have such a small life, short life, I should say, and the ability to live it with those that you love around you. Thanksgiving is a time to appreciate that and go into another winter season. That's I am super thankful for that this year. Nice. You? Uh, for me, it's got to be, you know, baby number two. Um, as far like as far as we know, healthy, um, you know, through through the journey, you know, we, we've had some setbacks as, as lots of people have had, um, you know, so for me, it's baby number two, by all accounts is looking to be healthy. I'm just hoping for a safe, healthy delivery for baby and Rosalie. So that's what I'm thankful for. I'm so excited for you guys to get a sister or a brother for Riley. And then as a family, also having two kids, it is a lot of fun. And to watch that interplay as then they grow, ooh, you're in for some fun. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I, I'm excited. I'm just sitting here because the, the listener won't know this, but like Riley was homesick today. So in on camera, off camera, on mute, off mute. And it's like the life of an entrepreneur. And we're going to throw another newborn on it. And Rosalie's runs a business. And we're just like, wow. But I mean, I'm not unique. It's like, this is every veterinary listener listening. And, and that's the beauty of it. From my perspective, you don't even know what you don't know yet. So it's great. Like yeah. it's going, enjoy the journey. Cause again, and we only do this once. So you, you have to enjoy it because those little guys are growing up. They they do grow fast. Okay. Anywho, we got on a tangent there. Let's let's bring on the guest. So Dr. Megan Sprinkle is a board eligible veterinary nutritionist who attended Auburn University for Veterinary School and the University of Missouri for her clinical nutrition residency. She worked at Royal Canaan US as a teacher and consultant for five years before recently joining BSM Partners, a consulting group helping businesses succeed, especially in the pet industry. She's also the president-elect for the American Academy of Veterinary Nutrition. She lives with her husband and Great Dane in Savannah, Georgia, where one of her favorite things to do is to produce her podcast called Vet Life Reimagined. This was a fun conversation. You're in for a treat. Dr. Megan Sprinkle. All right, Dr. Megan Sprinkle, thank you so much for joining us. We, we were just laughing about, normally I have an idea where these conversations are headed. On this one, I have no clue. It's 360 degrees. We could go anywhere. You and Jonathan recently connected at the Vet Innovation Summit. You and I had, I think it was close to two and a half hours 
in our pre-recording conversation and I texted Jonathan and I was like, holy wow, like we blew that hour apart. So thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, it was a, a little embarrassing. I felt really bad looking at the the time afterwards and seeing how long we had chatted. So I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there is a lot of similarities. You are also a veterinary podcaster, lifelong learner. I guess for our listeners that maybe haven't heard of you before, uh, let's let's share a little bit about yourself and then we'll we'll pick some tangents and roll. Absolutely. I am a board-eligible veterinary nutritionist, meaning I can sit for my board exam. I just haven't sat for it yet, which I hope to do next summer. So stay tuned. Um, but I, uh, after my residency, went directly into industry. So I worked for Royal Canaan for about five years. And then just as of this summer, I started working for a consulting group called BSM Partners um, because I like to do a little bit of everything and they let me fly. So <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun. That's awesome. I know when we were chatting about it, you, you talked about all the interests you had. And when you were looking at a career change, and you'd mention some of them to them and, and they're like, yeah, give her. And you're like, excellent. Like the full menu is open to me. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> nice. So I'm, I'm curious. So for me, I'm speaking here just for myself. I know when I was going through veterinary medicine, I kind of had blinders on it thinking like clinical veterinary medicine is veterinary medicine. And that's my career path. You are quite unique, or at least in my opinion, because clinical veterinary medicine kind of was never really on your radar. Like in, in fact, you were almost like consciously aware of not wanting to go that direction. So tell us a little bit about that. I know in your podcast intro, this all kind of kicked off by a desire to like, to swim with dolphins. And, and here we are. <laughs> yes. Um, so as a young child, I always loved animals, but I was really interested in very exotic animals, for some reason, specifically dolphins. And I kept asking my parents, can I go swim with dolphins? My dad told my mom, just let her do it once, get it out of her system, and she'll leave us alone. And it kind of backfired. So I did get to swim with dolphins and uh, just kept going from there. Uh, so yes, I wanted to work with kind of crazy animals, marine mammals, eventually opened it up to all types of zoo animals. Um, so I even got to go over to Zambia and work with the elephant orphanage project uh, early in my veterinary school time. And uh, just kind of along the way, tried to stay as curious as possible and try to understand what did I really want? Where was my role in this universe, including the veterinary universe and kind of adapted all along the way. Therefore, and I'm going to jump in here, Mike. And <laughs> did you then when you started vet school already say, hey, I potentially want to become a zoo vet? Was that the role? And we talked about this a little bit at our dinner together. Yes, wanted to be a, either a marine mammal or zoo vet from the very start. So that's how I wanted uh, going into vet school. And even towards the end, still thought that might be a direction I would go. And of course, when you're in your fourth year and you're like, oh, goodness, what am I doing after this? I uh, started to look at the veterinarians that I was working with even closer. And as much as I loved working with veterinary or, or zoo vet species, I wasn't sure if the life of a zoo vet was exactly what I wanted. 
they work very, very hard. They're one of the lowest paid veterinarians. And um, they did a lot of like political things in the zoo world and a lot of paperwork. And I'm like, well, I kind of actually just wanted to play with dolphins. Um, <laughs> not exactly what that is. And so I also had a really strong interest around nutrition. So the direction for a veterinarian in nutrition is going into a specialty. And so ended up uh, getting accepted in the clinical nutrition residency at the University of Missouri. And um, really the focus was cats and dogs. And I loved it. I really finally found an area where I thought I could give back and contribute. And I really enjoyed it. So that's kind of where uh, a very big peg pivot happened in my career. So you found the niche that you wanted to go into based on what your 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 love and interests were, as opposed to going, oh, I need to chase the money or chase especially just because zoo medicine might not be the way. Oh, yeah, because I don't know about you, but when I was thinking about being a veterinarian, I had created the idea that as a veterinarian, you aren't in it for the money. You, It's a sacrifice, right? You, you just know you're going to be broke, but you're living off of love, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and in the career. So I, I never was actively seeking the money. Um, no. And yet then you end, and I'm going to, and we're going to jump back to that, but I have to jump on this because veterinary nutrition, one, there are not many veterinary nutritionists as a specialty. I don't even know what the numbers are. I would, I would welcome you to, to educate us, but I know in Canada here, there are few and far between. And in my view, from an outside perspective, especially when uh, working with another group with, with VCA to get a veterinary nutritionist to come speak with you was like the Holy grail. To be able oh. to have a veterinary nutrition in front nutritionist in front of you was like, ah, this person is here. So in my view, it is like the golden ticket now for you being a veterinary nutritionist. Am I way off my rocker? And every veterinary student that's listening here is not to believe Jonathan. Or is well, that real? I, I totally missed out on a red carpet. So, I mean, if uh, I, I don't know where thing. that happened. That's yeah, have to be up here. It's coming. When you set your boards, as soon as you leave that exam, red carpet everywhere. Fly out. Yeah. Angel sing. I love this. Okay. Motivation. Well, <laughs> but you do have to move to Canada. That's I, oh, I, I okay. That's the that. piece. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, <laughs> uh, we are a very small specialty. I think we are somewhere around a hundred individuals in North America. Uh, and probably not that much more, even if you opened it up to the world. So yes, we are a very small specialty and I, I'm glad to hear that you find us valuable, <laughs> but, um, we actually find that in a lot of areas, we are constantly struggling to have a career and, um, it is one of the first services that people, whether you're in private practice or in universities, are very quick to cut the budget of because for some reason they don't seem to feel like we're bringing enough value. So I, it's, an, it's something I'm working on in our specialty to figure out where the gaps are and how to solve that. Um, but yeah, it, it's actually kind of challenging as a nutritionist. You, you don't always feel like you have a whole lot of options. So what does that look like then, Mike? I'm totally taking the thunder here. We're we're um what does that look like then when you are done your residency and making choice, private practice, again, moving the way of Royal Canin, et cetera? How how do you choose? 
Yeah. So at the, um, I, I was trying to think about this pretty uh, as fast as possible in my residency. Um, I think uh, a lot of people were thought I was weird to already be thinking about where I wanted to go after my residency. So I really started looking at this, and for me, I. I thought there were really only three big paths. Uh, one would be to stay in the university setting uh, as a, um, a faculty on staff. And honestly, I wasn't interested in that. <laughs> uh, thank goodness we have people who do want to be in university, but um, that was not the path I wanted. The Another one would have been to go into private practice. And I do have some colleagues in private practice. However, when I, and I was totally prepared, I was actually I was very good at throwing a pitch. I, I even went to a conference one time and went into this little room that I got invited to of all these independent practices. And there's like nobody there. Uh, so I started talking to one veterinarian in particular. I mean, I was just getting really passionate about it. And I started getting a crowd, you know, I guess the closest I've ever come to the the red carpet feel. Uh, so they, they saw the value in what I was saying and, and the importance of a nutritionist. But uh, really looking at my colleagues, often they're really having to fight for their worth and their value. Um, and they work really hard, long hours. And again, I, I was prepared to do it, but I, I wanted something different. And so the third option that I saw would be going into to industry. And in industry, I felt like I would have a lot more resources and the ability to have a greater impact. And again, we need veterinary nutritionists in private practice and university settings, but I really wanted to make a huge impact um, and have a lot of these resources be surrounded by a lot of other people because I, I'm very passionate about these things, but I realize how desperately we need each other. We need multiple people working to really make a difference and make that impact. And I felt like I would have more of those types of opportunities within industry. And so that was the direction I decided to go. Wow. That's amazing. So kind of running the thread through all of this and, and getting to speak with you before, like I know how important impact is to you. It, is that where, like, when you first entered nutrition, was it driven by that desire for impact, or did that kind of surface later once you got into it? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the impact, that realization may have come a little bit later. And I think early on, I was just trying to figure out myself <laughs> and who I was and some value that I could have. I could bring to the world. And when I was in my residency, that was when I was finally discovering the value I could bring. And when I started at the University of Missouri, I was very surprised to find that as I walked the clinics, uh, the clinic floor, that uh, there was quite a few people who didn't even know we had a nutrition service. And so I was like, I need to change that. Um <laughs> Because I'm going to get bored if I just sit at a desk all day. Um, and so I really started building relationships with different people within the hospital and brought in a lot more referrals that way. And when I saw that, um, you know, I could build these relationships and that, uh, you know, asking my resident mates in, in internal medicine why they kept referring 
cases to me and they said, well, we love how much you do the follow-up and you keep us included in these, in these cases, but you handle all those crazy nutrition questions that we don't want to (laughs) answer. I was like, I'm more than happy to do that for you. Um, then I, I started to see, oh, wow, I can actually have some impact. I, I, I can build relationships. I have some value to, to offer. And so um, it was really just trying to grow up, I guess, a little bit myself and get a little bit more confident as well. And, and then once you start to see that you can have some impact, I think it gets really exciting. And that's probably what it was, is I finally saw that I could make a little bit of impact and I was ready to, to make even more going forward. I like it. Well, I mean, let's keep going on that. Where do you see like under this idea of impact? So taking it from, you know, nutrition, helping the pets, helping the clients, great relationships in the hospital. Now you are a host of your, of your own vet podcast. And I know you guys go into all sorts of different areas. What are some of maybe your aspirations there on, on impact in like the, the greater veterinary community. Yeah. And I can start answering by kind of explaining why I even started a podcast and that one, I just love podcasts. So (laughs) I was an avid listener, still am, and always thought that would be neat. But um, being an industry, I got a lot of people in the profession, especially people in clinics, who would ask me about what's it like being an industry? Um, You know, what other options are there to have a career in veterinary medicine? And just talking with them, I realized they had no idea all the different things that we can do in this profession. And then the other thing that came up when I was talking with people is, and this really scared me, was that a lot of individuals had such a narrow view of veterinary medicine, and they often attach their own identity to that very narrow view of what it meant to be a veterinarian or what it meant to be a veterinary technician, et cetera. And so kind of looking at those two things, I wanted to show people all the different things you could do in veterinary medicine and that the definition of what in quotes a veterinarian is, it can be, it can mean all sorts of different things. And ultimately your identity comes back to your values and, you know, impact in the world, or that's, that's one of my values, but, you know, enter your own value there, that that can start to be part of what, how you live out your part in veterinary medicine. And so that is what the podcast is about. I bring on different people in the veterinary field and they talk about their career path. And yes, I make them talk about from the very start on when they even realized they wanted to get into veterinary medicine, because I really want people to see that journey, the thought process, the decisions they made as they're going down their journey and all of that, that goes into making those career decisions. Um, And then we of course talk about the different things that they're passionate about because, you know, the podcast for me is a way for me to give back to the veterinary profession. Um, and one, to learn myself, because I do love to learn. I love meeting people and hearing their story and learning from them. Um, but if I'm going to learn, 
might as well share it with everybody else too. So I love being able to share the wisdom of the people in our profession because we have some awesome people in this profession and it has been such a joy. Yeah, that's, that is amazing. And I mean, just kudos to you. You have told us on your podcast, you do everything like you you host it, you produce it, you do all the editing. And, and I'm sitting here being like, wow, like, I don't know how you do that, but that's an aside. I'm, I'm very curious on this whole identity piece because I totally agree. And I am, have certainly at times in my life wrapped my identity around that being a veterinarian. Has, has there, was there ever a time where you, you know, struggled with that or were you always kind of aware of that and, and able to navigate it? We would like to thank our sponsor, VetBadger, the all-in-one practice management software that puts relationships first. Created by working veterinary parents, VetBadger provides all the communication, team workflow, and medical management tools you need to run an efficient practice and get home to the relationships that matter most. In support of parents in VetMed, VetBadger will be offering a signed copy of the book, Pregnancy and Postpartum Considerations for the Veterinary Team by Emily Singler to everyone who registers for a demo between between Mother's Day, May 12th, and Father's Day, June 16th. To register, visit vetbadger.com and find the link in the description below. Oh, I probably a little bit of both. I think I have always uh, had, again, a, a little bit different idea of what could be possible. I've always tried to stay very curious throughout. But I probably like most people as veterinarians, I was very determined to go to vet school. And uh, no matter what anybody could tell me, I was getting into vet school. And now when I give advice to to young people who I hear and they say, oh, I want to be a veterinarian. And I'm like, great. You love animals, right? And they're like, yep. And I'm like, fantastic. And But my piece of advice is, that is a, it's a perfect time. There's no better time in the world to love animals and want to help them because you have so many different options to live that out. You do not have to be a veterinarian. Now, don't worry, people. I'm not trying to deter people from going to vet school, but I do want people to be able to live out and thrive in what truly um, is their gift to the world. So, um, you know, I, I think I've tried to stay very curious on what that could also look like for myself. And uh, I think I have a lot of different interests and passions. So um, I've been able to discover that more and more as I do stay curious. Um, so I think uh, I'd like to hope that I have a pretty broad perspective. I'm very open to hearing uh, uh, thoughts and opinions. Um, but I also am okay forming my own. So, <laughs> but I, I had to grow into that. I had to gain some confidence. Um, I think the one time when I really struggled with identity a little bit, um, is when I was becoming a nutritionist, um, getting into a very tiny little specialty, I sh- came upon some challenges in becoming boarded. If you're doing your math and and you find out when I finished my residency, uh, that was quite a while ago. 
and uh, I'm still not boarded. So there was a whole adventure in that in itself. And I got upset. I got pretty upset because um, for the first time, I had a lot of barriers put in front of me that I felt like I didn't have any control over. And probably, again, a lot can relate in this profession. A lot of us really like control. And I only had so much. So I had to sit down and think about what do I have control over? Um, you know, what do I truly want? Um, and not what is the assumed path for somebody in my position. And um, so I had to talk to myself for a while on that one <laughs> and and really figure out, is this what I want or is it I'm doing it because I think this is what I'm supposed to do? Um, so that one, my, it took a, a little bit of time. Yep. But uh, I, yeah, I think I've struggled with that. If I jump in there a little bit, uh, Mike and Megan, for a second, in terms of being board eligible, but not having written your board yet, mm -hmm. are you able to tell a little bit about that journey for those that are, there's many that are in the same circumstances? Yes. Uh, I was not the only person to be stuck at the end of my residency and, and not eligible at the time. Um, we had a requirement for case reports and, um, multiple people, uh, were not passing case reports. And so, which meant you weren't eligible to sit for your board exam. Um, and for me, because I, I had a unique situation and then right out of my residency, I did go into industry and therefore my ability to get additional cases just disappeared. Um, and so, um, again, I had to decide, did I want to really work hard to somehow get cases or was I going to do what I actually liked better, uh, <laughs> in industry. Um, and so, um, that, that's why I got stuck there for a while. Um, luckily at, at the time, and we've had some changes. So recently the nutrition specialty joined, um, uh, and is now one of the sub specialties of a CVIM, the internal medicine group. Um, but right before that, the organization had decided to, um, basically dissolve the, the case report requirement and go to different types of uh, requirements, which I did complete. And therefore that's why I'm board eligible now. So I did end up still working towards that to, to get to that, to this point now. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what happened is uh, there were some challenges there and the board heard us after a while and, and they did change it. But um, yep, that was, that was a struggle. <laughs> I can imagine that would have been mentally very difficult in terms of, you know, working through, oh, wow, I finished my residency and not being board eligible to get that completed right out of school and such. Um, from a standpoint of walking through that, getting to know yourself, also recognizing that it is not all about writing the boards. You are a veterinary nutritionist, no matter whether you have boards or not under you. Uh, being a few years now removed from that, where do you see as being uh, next steps in your career? And, and I would love to also uh, understand a little bit more in terms of your current consulting role. And if that conversation came into being, being board eligible versus um, 
you know, full fledged specialist with all of the the credentials behind you. What does that discussion look like? Yeah, um, actually, so it is because of BSM partners that I'm actively trying to sit for my board exam. I have really kind of I was like, I'm fine. I'm loving what I'm doing. I don't need it. And I was just going to roll, roll on. Um, but they said, no, you worked hard for that. We we want to support you and, and get you um, board certified. So they basically said, we will pay for it. We'll make sure you have time to study whatever you need. Just let us know. And we're going to try to support you so you can do that. Um, so it's really because of them that I'm, I'm pursuing that and, and going to hopefully get some letters at the end of my name in addition to DBM, which by the way is plenty, but um, yeah, it, it's for their support, but they also really uh, listened to what I was interested in, which was very different. They um, Even them as entrepreneurial and um, adventurous as they are, when I came in as a, a veterinarian and said, well, actually, I really like doing a podcast and I really like um, doing all these other really non-veterinary things, they're like, oh, well, okay, you go for it. <laughs> so, um, and then I was just talking with my, um, my, my boss, Dr. Stephanie Clark, and she told me, you know, having a, a veterinary nutritionist who knows how to formulate uh, for the, the pet food or just the pet industry, we do more than pet food. We're doing all sorts of things. Uh, she's like, that's a force to be reckoned with. And it was so funny to, to hear her say that. And I was like, oh, that, that just gets me excited to know that, you know, you can build these really unique unicorn. I, I love that term for some reason. I, I've, I've been using that a lot. I don't know why I like feeling like I'm a unicorn, but, um, you know, these unicorn skills and to make this just huge difference in the world. Um, so that's, uh, what I'm kind of enjoying is being able to do a lot of these things that veterinarians don't in general, right. Um, are not in yet. Um, it's something I've really advocated even, you know, for the past six years is I believe we need the veterinary voice in all of these different areas. We, we need that perspective. And, um, you know, when people are coming to a table to make decisions, I want veterinary voices at that table. So sometimes it, it, it takes people with different interests um, and you bring your veterinary perspective to those situations and you bring so much value um, that, you know, they don't, they don't have your perspective. And so we, we need you. We need those people. Mm. <laughs> this is this is just like an observation hearing you speak about this is it's like you're driven by this curiosity and every step you take and you meet adversity but you get through it and you gain confidence and it's like which fuels more curiosity and more confidence that that was kind of something when I was listening to you tell that story I was like wow this is exciting because you can just see that it keeps building off of each other right and it's like we run this out five ten years from now it's like where's it gonna end up like um, anyway, bringing it back, I do oh. have a, a question in there because this is fascinating to me when you said, you know, taking the time to figure out what you want versus the assumed path or mm -hmm. what you felt like you were supposed to do. I hear that a lot. And then earlier when we were talking about getting in, in, into being a veterinarian, you said I had created a story, right? And I'm, I'm curious, how did you go from 
I had created a story. And now when you're in that space of I had created a story, you typically don't realize it's a story. It's just the truth because you're unaware that it's a story. Mm -hmm. How did you go from being in that space to sort of creating the clarity to step back and be like, wait a minute, that is just a story that I made up and I am going to change that story right now. And it is now going to be this. I know that's a complex question, but (laughs) how did you navigate that? Well, the simple answer is stay curious. Always think like a scientist. I heard an author once say it that way. I think this was Adam Grant actually. And it's all, I mean, as a veterinarian, we're, we're scientists. We're supposed to be curious and ask questions. And I think when I realized that when I did that, when I quit filling in the gaps, when I didn't know something and I just stepped, you know, stood back and asked, what if, what if, um, that is when I found the new and fun things. And so I, I think maybe it was positive reinforcement without realizing it (laughs) is, you know, that staying curious, you're like, Oh, I didn't know anything about that. That's awesome. Let's keep asking these questions. It just gets more and more fun. Um, so I, I think that's part of it is, uh, and I see this come up in, in people skills too. Um, when it comes to, um, communicating with people, learn to just listen, quit filling in the gaps. If you don't know, ask. Um, that is the one of the worst things I think we do is we just, we make up the story. And, and it's human. It's totally human nature to, if I don't understand something, I'm just going to fill in the gap. I'll fill in the middle of the story and, and just run with it. And, and it, it does take a lot of work sometimes to just stop. And instead of filling in the, in the gap, fill in that story, just ask. You know, just be like a reader and just ask, well, what is this story? Help me understand that. Um, and, and so I think that's really been it. Man, I'm, I'm chuckling here because if I think back on all the guests we've had, if there was a scorecard of takeaways from all of our episodes, staying curious is, is the top one or two for sure across all of our guests that have navigated adversity, you know, and, and reached sort of their desired outcome. Curiosity just keeps coming up over and over and over. Agreed. Agreed. I love that filling the gap as well, too. That's something that we can all take in our day-to-day, whether it's veterinary medicine or personal life. And I love that because there's so many stories that we tell ourselves about others or ourselves, which really, when we stop and take a break, wait a second, that's not right at all. Yeah. And, you know, I said it made life more fun, but I think we... Um, it, it does because when we stop assuming, especially like when we're trying to understand people, um, I think while we fill in the story to try to to um, say we we think we understand things better, when we don't understand things, it, it's scary. And when humans are scared, we don't react well. <laughs> we don't respond like we probably would like ourselves to respond. Um, and instead of responding, it, it, again, it just <laughs> ask. Um, for a long time, before I, I had the the saying, you know, stay curious, um, I kind of had it in the other direction. I always said, never assume. 
assumptions are always dangerous. Um, so I kind of like the more positive spin on it and stay curious, but whichever one fits you at, at the moment, um, I think is very helpful to not only be able to find the path that allows you to thrive and um, build the better relationships, but you genuinely get to have a lot more fun along the way. Nice. Megan, on this, I'm curious here on like tactically and because do you, do you intentionally train this? Cause like, you know, if we look at the science and I'll, I'll butcher it, but high level, you talked about, you get in a situation that is scary you know, something in your amygdala triggers and like, this is all emotions that are happening in your body quickly. Do you tactically do anything before those situations present themselves to help like train yourself to navigate them? So, you know, like some people do mindfulness meditation or, you know, whatever that may be. No, I don't. <laughs> um, Oh goodness. I am. I always feel bad because I'm, I'm one of those that say, Oh, I would love to be more mindful and, and sit there and, and just uh, meditate. And I have never been able to do that. Well, um, in fact, I have found myself more ADD or, you know, undiagnosed, of course, um, as time goes. So I, I think it's just constantly putting myself in situations and learning along the way and not being afraid. And, and actually one thing also that has really helped me is always seeking feedback. Um, and as uncomfortable as it can be, sometimes I want to know, and I want to know quickly. I, I actually sat down and talked with my boss about this as well. I don't want you to tell me a year from now that, oh yeah, that time when you did that, that was really stupid. No, I want to know right away. So I fix it and never do it again. Um, I also, I tease veterinarians. Sorry, this is my nutrition moment. I, I would always tease veterinarians who would come and say, well, I put this pet on the, the weight loss diet a year ago and they haven't lost any weight. It's like, why did you wait a year to check. Um, you know, you don't do that. <laughs> it's a constant, you got to check in all the time. And I think that's the same for, for us as people, as we're just learning, um, to, to stay curious, you know, asking for feedback is staying curious. It, it's getting other people's thoughts. I know, uh, Jonathan, when we were at the veterinary innovation summit, that keynote on the, the second day was talking about, <laughs> about, um, are we self-aware, right? And there's a huge difference between the people who actually are and, and the people who think they are. And, and so asking for that feedback, I think is really helpful in growing you as a person and, um, being able to kind of train yourself to, to stay with that mindset. This is fascinating stuff, Megan. I'm, oh, I love it. I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm just like on the fly, um, inviting you back. Cause I'm looking at like all the stuff that we still can talk about. And I'm like, it's not possible to fit it in. So I mean, I think I'm going to start landing this one. And it's like, we basically have to have you back because this is fascinating stuff. Like I, I personally love diving into all of these nuances. So I'm finding this very insightful. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are as well. So what he's doing is he's asking you on the air. So you have no choice. But I know. Yes. Yeah, this is, I think like, this is like, a, this is a guilt tripping tactic 
uh, <laughs> I learned in podcasting school where you, you just put them on the spot live on air. <laughs> well, I would love to come back because I do want to keep digging into, you know, what does this look like for the profession as a whole? Like, how can we help each other continually grow and be better um, as individuals, as, as a profession? And I, like I said, I, I don't want to do this alone. I, I want to do this with other people such as yourselves. And, and thank you so much for what you do with the podcast and, and participating in these conversations. So absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I guess this will be like a teaser. One of the things in our two and a half hour pre-recording that we got lost on was talking about money and like the mindset around oh, yeah. money and the stories we tell ourselves about money. And that is actually like, if we trace it, how you and I connected was, you know, through Brent with Royal Canaan and talking about personal finance. And I mean that we can take everything we talked about in this episode and then just attach money to it. And now you've got a whole nother can of worms to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's That also kind of grew along with me as well. So that definitely deserves its own conversation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Megan. Um, I guess, yeah, we're, we're, we're at the end here. So we're going to roll into that impact round. Um, I guess kicking it off, are you a cat or a dog person? As fascinating as I think cats are, I, I am a dog person. So I have one dog. Her name is Eva. She's a great Dane. So we're about the same weight class. So we, we can wrestle. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do have one dog. I like it. True or false. I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian since I was a kid. True. I'm one of the boring ones. Yes. <laughs> this next one is going to be interesting. How would your friends describe what you do for a living? I think they would just say veterinary nutritionist because I think that's about all they would know what to say. Sure, that's, fair. that's fair. What is your favorite hobby? Podcasting right now. Um, that's pretty much the the time I have. I try to fit something podcast related, whether it's listening to podcasts, which I, I do a lot and the, or working on my own. So that is my, my big thing right now. Nice. What in this world are you most grateful for? I I feel very lucky in life, but when I first read this question, the first thing that came to mind was my husband. So someone who I know will always love me and support me no matter what. Yeah. I, tangent on this is when you have that support, it is amazing how much it opens you up to like soar in your own swim lane. Right. You know, and I, exactly. I feel that for myself personally, my relationship with Rosalie, you and your husband, I know Jonathan and Candace, and it's like that those support pieces are invaluable. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Megan, thank you so much for, for joining us. I mean, it is obvious uh, the lifelong learning, the impact you want to have. Thank you for your work on your podcast. Um, I mean, this, this has been a, been a great conversation. If anyone wants to reach out, follow you, uh, where are some of the best platforms to do that? Yeah. So LinkedIn is a, a great place. I'm on there pretty uh, frequently and there aren't that many people with the last name Sprinkle. So uh, I'm usually not too, too hard to find. If you want to look up Megan Sprinkle on any of the platforms, I'm I'm happy to talk with people. Excellent. And yeah, we have some links I know to your podcast and whatnot, and we'll drop those in the show notes for anyone that wants to uh, check it out. I've, I've been diving in and definitely worth a listen. Absolutely. She is, she's, um, she's putting us to shame, Mike. Let's just put it that way. 
Yeah. It's good. Well, we're working towards the same goal, but it does, it does keep us on our toes. So that, so darn right. I think it's amazing. So that's a, that's a kudos to you. We help each other grow. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Megan. Okay. Well, as always, the final word goes to you. What message do you want to leave for the veterinary community? I think pretty simply stay curious. Thank you for listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast. As a recap, on behalf of our hosts, the Veterinary Project Podcast will be releasing new episodes weekly. So be sure to tune in as we bring you more conversations aimed at helping you enjoy a life well lived. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show and you want to stay in the know, please like, love, and or subscribe to the podcast on the listening platform of your choosing, as we're available on all the usual suspects. If you know of others that may benefit from these conversations, we'd love it if you please share the show with them, as this will help us grow our community to reach more and more veterinary professionals. Speaking of which, if you are a veterinary professional and would like to get connected with more like-minded individuals who are joining us on this journey, please send an email to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com, and we'll invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group. General feedback, requests for information, or perhaps requests to be a guest on the show can also be sent to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com. Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll catch you again next week for another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Bye for now. Bye for now.